From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in his, uh, excuse me, in, uh, in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity of rest, opportunity to get away with my family for a while. Uh, Father, I praise you for that. Father, I invite you in this room, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, I just ask that it pierce every person's heart in this room today. Uh, Father, you've given me a great message and uh, always thank you, Father. Any time I go on vacation, you work on me. And we've got some things coming up. It's not going to be preached on today. But, Father, thank you so much for the direction for the future of this church and the direction of our, uh, our leadership. Uh, Father, this entire congregation is going to have a big part in the plan that you have for them that you have shown me. Uh, but today you've given me something different that needs to be talked about. And, um, Father, in this moment, uh, I, I need your guidance in, in, a, in a bad way. Father, I need you to help me through this process on this sermon. This is something that I really haven't ever um, preached on just this topic before. We've mentioned it many times, uh, talking about you. Uh, but, Father, this is something that, uh, to be honest with you, I haven't been comfortable with since I put it together. So, Father, in this moment, I ask that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And, Father, that you take over. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Father, I just ask that you take away all my doubt, lack of confidence. Uh, Father, I know that this is the message you want preached. So, Father, right now I need your boldness, um, need your wisdom, and most importantly, Father, your love to pour out onto this congregation. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Before we get started, I do want to apologize. I may be coughing some and snorting and snotting some as well. I've been fighting a cold. In fact, my baby girl Caroline is at the house sick right now. Hi, Caroline. Y'all say hi to Caroline. Amanda's with her right now. She has got the fever this morning as well. It's been going around our house. Uh, but you know what? The good news is, is we've been claiming that mess away. and We've been getting healed quickly. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to start today's sermon by asking you guys a question. How well do you know God? Some people don't know him at all. These are called unbelievers. There are others that know him casually. These people uh, know of God because they have heard about God from other people. There are some that know him informationally. They know him from the stories that are told from others and they know him from the biblical text. There are some that know him religiously. They know the God that they were taught about through the religion that they were brought up in. But there are a few that know him intimately. They know his presence, they know his touch, they know his laugh, and they know his voice. And even though they know him so well, they continue to pursue him because they want more of him. In 2000, in the year 2000, uh, there was a blonde-haired, green-eyed girl that I wanted to get to know more. So I pursued her. 
Now, through this process, obviously, you know, the first time I saw her, I thought, well, crud, I got to get to know this girl. So I started doing a little background check. I started to figure out where she came from, what her hobbies were, you know, what she liked to eat, uh, you know. So I did all this because I wanted to get to know her better. Well, that was the right decision because now we've been married 18 years and have three beautiful girls, right? But through this process, in 18 years, I've gotten to know Amanda more than ever. I know that her favorite movies are The Notebook and Pride and Prejudice. Okay? You've bewitched me, body and soul. I know that her favorite food is a warm chocolate chip cookie. I know that. Yeah, amen to that. You dang straight. That's a lot better than the movies, right? I know her favorite color is yellow. I know everything about my wife. And the reason why is because I have pursued her. And I want an intimate relationship with her. Your relationship with God should be no different. Should be no different. If you want an intimate relationship with God, you've got to get to know him. And the only way to do that is to pursue him. We as Christians, again, guys, we've got to strive for this. But in order to do this, again, we must seek him. We must pursue him. That's what we're going to talk about today. Today's sermon title is Pursuing God. The word pursue means to chase after or to diligently seek. We pursue a lot of things in life, Christian warriors. We pursue popularity, money, power. At some point, we pursue a spouse, like I did with Amanda. But not, on the, excuse me, but not many of us are pursuing what truly matters the most. You see, we get so caught up in pursuing our worldly desires that we forget about what is most important. And that's pursuing the true, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And what seems to happen always, guys, we get so caught up in these things, these worldly things, that they start to consume us. And then at some point, these worldly things we seek start to go south, and we get stressed, anxious, and depressed because it's not working out. When these problems in life occur, a lot of us have nowhere to turn. And the reason why we have nowhere to turn is because, again, we don't have that true intimate relationship with the true problem solver. Instead of turning to God, we try to handle these problems on our own, and things become even worse. Show of hands, anybody like that? If you ain't raising your hand, you're lying, and you're just going to be honest with you. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is preaching about this very problem that we're talking about. He's telling us not to worry about all of our worldly issues and problems that come along in life. And then in verse 33, he gives us the answer of how to handle these problems. Let's look at Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these worldly things that we have in life that we worry about. Number one, if you're worried about it, you're not seeking the kingdom of God first. All these things that we struggle with, all these things, all these things that we seek, power and money and fame and, and Facebook fame, social media fame, all that junk, 
guys, none of that matters. We've got to seek God first. And one thing that I've learned in life is if God gives you a gift in your life, and, and you can reach power and money and fame and all those things, it's not going to work out properly unless you seek him first. And if you have the gift and if you seek him first, he'll make sure that will happen. And it'll happen on his timing and in his ways. But again, we get so caught up, guys, in doing it ourselves that we forget to seek the kingdom of God first. So how do we do this? What does the Bible say about pursuing God? I want to look at Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You can't seek God with half a heart. It's biblical. You got to seek him with all your heart. In other words, if you're putting these worldly things ahead of him, you're only giving him half your heart. In order to pursue God, the only way that we can pursue him is if we're all in. If we give him everything we have from our heart. Nothing can be in front of him. Now, I know that a lot of you are sitting here and be like, Mike, I've heard this sermon before. Yeah, but have you really thought about it? I'm very guilty of this. In fact, I'm going to get to it here in a minute, a story at the end of this where I just struggled with this last week. We seem to always put our worries, our anxieties, and other things ahead of God instead of seeking him first. One thing that we've got to learn, Christian warriors, is when you start to worry, that's a sign that it's time to pray. It's a time to seek the kingdom of God first. And allow him to take over from there. But we're stupid. When you get up every day, guys, your thought process should be, what can I do today to grow closer to God? A lot of us just had, okay, you just had New Year's, right? So a lot of you probably made New Year's resolutions. And first of all, don't ever call them a resolution again. You call them a goal, okay? So a New Year goal. You know, some of you, it might be, well, you know, I want to lose weight. You know, that's always a big one. I want to get healthier. I want to, I want to save my money better. I want to take care of my finances better. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better husband, a better mother. Here's what I need you to understand. All those things, all these goals that you may have for New Year's, if you're not putting him first, it's not going to matter. Take those goals. And go to God with it and say, God, here's the thing. These are the things I need to work on in life. I'm just going to give these to you so you'll remember them for me. But all I'm going to worry about is building your kingdom. And along the way, Father, if you could make me better in these areas, I'd really appreciate that. Guys, he knows the desires of our heart. He knows the desires of our heart. If you seek him first, if you concentrate on him, He'll help you with the desires of your heart. But the minute that you put those ahead of him, you're on the wrong track. What does this look like again, guys? How can we actively pursue God? The first way that we can actively pursue a, long, or excuse me, a strong relationship with God is by studying his characteristics Okay, and we do this by studying his written word. 
just like when I pursued Amanda, I got to know her. I got to know what she liked. I got to know her interest. I got to know what she enjoyed. I got to know her hobbies. By the way, this wasn't easy. You women make it very hard. Okay? Y'all don't come with an instruction booklet. All right? It would have been a lot easier, guys. I always think about this. If, if Amanda would have had a personal journal at her house, it would have been great if I could have just went and grabbed it and read it. You know what I'm saying? I could have got there a lot quicker, you know. I wouldn't have had to woo her as long as I did, you know. And actually, to be honest with you, she came on to me first, but that's a whole different story. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but, guys, here's the cool part about pursuing God. Where I'm pursuing Amanda, and you men know what I'm talking about. It's hard with women to figure out what they like. It's hard. I'm in the jewelry business. It's still hard. You know, you think they just want diamonds. No, not all of them want that. So, so it's hard, right? But God, see, what God did is he said, if you want to pursue me and you want to learn my characteristics, I've given you my personal journal to read. It's all in there, his characteristics. He makes it a whole lot easier than these women do. Amen? Amen, men? Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed. Every bit of it. So if you want to get to know God's characteristics, and that's what you got to do. If you want to pursue him, you need to learn his characteristics. Just pick up your Bible and read it. It's all in there. That one's simple. Now, the second way that you can actively pursue a strong relationship with God is by communicating with him. Communication is key in all relationships. Amen? Amen? Amen. We communicate with God through prayer and conversation. These two things obviously can draw us closer to him. And the Bible tells us that if we initiate the first move in drawing near to God, he will come to us. Let's go look at James 4, 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. That's, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? So in other words, guys, if you just simply pursue God, he'll pursue you. Just communicate with him, guys. Just talk to him. Just, you know, when you're struggling in life, when, when you're struggling with these worldly things that you're trying to pursue and so forth, Again, instead of fighting it on your own, just talk to him about it. I know that sounds real simple, but it, it really is. Just talk to him. Have a conversation with him. We talk about that a lot here at this church. I get more from just sitting down and visiting with God than I do reading my Bible, than I do worshiping, and, and that I do even praying. Just having a conversation with him one-on-one. -on -one. If you seek him, he's there. And again, what's cool about it is if you initiate the first, like, okay, let's go back to Amanda's story. You know, like, if I wanted to, to pursue Amanda, you know, there was no guarantee that when I went to, well, there kind of was, you know, I, you know, I knew what I was doing. But anyway, let's just say... <laughs> See, I can't use me in the story. Let's say Bojo, okay? So Bojo, when he was seeking Tiffany and he was pursuing Tiffany, there was no guarantee that when he pursued her, 
that she was going to come back. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no guarantee there. But there's a guarantee with God. You know what I'm saying? Did she come immediately when you pursued her, by the way? My man. <laughs> I love getting y'all in trouble up here. It's like the coolest thing. The third way you can actively pursue a strong relationship with God is pursuing righteousness. Pursue righteousness. I want to go back to Matthew 6.33 again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. To be righteous, guys, simply put, it's doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing. The Bible tells us God is good and God is righteous. So when we live a righteous life and we do what is good, God is literally right there. But God doesn't want to be around the unrighteous. So in other words, if you're going to try and pursue God, you better be doing the right thing. The more you live in sin, the further away you get from God. And because of this, you've stopped your pursuit of God completely. One more story about me and Amanda, then I'll shush, I promise. We had been dating a while, and... Uh, I was, I was off at college, came home, and y'all please understand, this is my B.C. days, okay, before Christ. And came home, went to a, a party, okay, we, you know, back, you know, I live in Cass, Kansas, there's a pasture party, right, big bonfire. And this dude was there, I got really mad, anyway, I, I, I used to, I got really mad, and I, and I picked him up, and I threw him in the fire, stupid I went home not thinking anything about it except I thought I might get arrested for attempted murder you know thank goodness the guy forgave me but anyway the next morning Amanda comes to my house beating on the door I'm struggling to get there I got a hangover open the door and she looks at me and she says this to me she says I won't marry a man like you she said, that bad temper, that drinking, it's not going to work. I had to become a more righteous person for my wife to want to be with me. It's no different, again, with our relationship with God. If you're throwing people in the fire, God don't want to be around that. Right? If you're doing things wrong, God doesn't want to be around that. In order to pursue God, we have to be righteous. Now, we're going to fail. We're, we're, we're going to suck. I mean, it's just going to happen. We're going to mess up. Just keep going back to him. Fixing to get on that. Some of you may be thinking right now to yourself, there's no way God will draw near to me because of what I've done in my past. Because of who I used to be, who I was yesterday, who I was this morning. That's not true at all, guys. We just read in James 4, 8, where God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He didn't say, sometimes when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He didn't say that. He didn't say three strikes and you're out. He didn't put a limit on his forgiveness, amen? He simply says to pursue him and he'll be there. 
It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up in your past, guys. I need you to understand something about our Father in heaven. When you pursue him, your heart's in the right place. When you're pursuing him, you've humbled yourself, he'll be there. Humble yourself before God, he'll exalt you. In that moment that you know you've screwed up, you know you've messed up, you know good and well that you have destroyed relationships. Maybe even you think you've destroyed your life. You've hurt others. I need you to understand the minute that your heart figures that out and it humbles itself and you pursue God, he's there. Doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Praise God, amen? The last way that we can actively pursue a strong relationship with God is being obedient to the Holy Spirit. The more obedient you are to the Holy Spirit, the more present he will be in your life. Let's go look at John 14, 21. This is Jesus speaking. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. He reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. This past Thursday, I went to, my, I went to the Gilmer store. And the uh, morning started out kind of rough. Had some things going on. Had some people hurting at the church. Had some business issues going on. I was sick as a dog. Went to the Gilmer store, and on the way back, I'm struggling with all these things. And I'm talking to him about it. I'm like, God, I need your help. This is a lot to get piled on. I just got back from vacation, God, and all this stuff's getting piled on me right now. God, I need your help. And I heard him tell me. I was going from Gilmer. I was almost in Linden. And he said, I need you to pull into First Baptist Church, Linden, where I grew up as a kid. That's the church I went to. He said, I need you to walk in the door to the pastor's office, and I need you to ask them if you can go in the sanctuary and pray. And I want you to take your Bible with you. Now, I thought, well, that's weird, but I'll do it. So I go over there, and there's a secretary there. pastor wasn't in, so the secretary's there. And I said, ma'am, you don't know me from Adam. I said, but uh, I'm just curious, can I go in y'all's sanctuary and pray? And she looked at me kind of funny, and she said, why? <laughs> and I said, because I've screwed up. I need to go pray. And I just told her, I said, I won't be there long. And, and she kind of laughed, and she said, no, get on in there. I said, you stay as long as you want to. She said, we close at 5. This was at 3 o'clock. Number one, it was really cool to get to go back to my old church that I hadn't been at in years. And I walked in that sanctuary, y'all, and it ain't changed. It's the exact same sanctuary that was there when I was a child. Nothing's changed. The carpet's the same. The pews are the same. The only difference was it wasn't a choir loft. That was the only difference. They had guitars up there. I was kind of shocked at a Baptist church. They had guitars up there. So I walk in, and I sit down on the third row, middle of the third row. And this is exactly what I said. All right, God, I'm here. So now I need you to help me. He said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I said, really? I sat there for a second, and I thought, somebody's going to walk in here and see my shoes off. I'm the only goober in this church right now. So I took my shoes off, 
took them off, just kind of sat there for a second. He said, son, I need you to take your socks off, too. I'm thinking, I'm going to have some bare feet up in here looking like Lisa McDuffie up here singing on stage. <laughs> but I did it. So I took my shoes and my socks and I tucked them under the pews and I'm sitting there with my bare feet. And it was cold in that sanctuary. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, God, now I done done what you told me to do. Now I need, I need you to give me some direction here. He said, I need you to humble yourself. I need you to go to that altar and get on your knees. And I'm thinking, I keep hearing people walk through the halls. I'm like, they're going to walk in any minute. And I'm at this Baptist church with my dang shoes off and they're they going to call cops. Like, that's what's going to happen. And I get up, and I walk down to that altar, and I get on my knees, and I just started bawling. Because the presence of him was there. Because I was obedient. As stupid as it might have been, I was obedient to what he asked of me. Y'all may look at it and say, Michael, that's dumb. He just asked you to take your shoes off. That's not that big a deal. I want you to think about it. When you got people walking up down them hallways, they don't know who you are. They walk in, all of a sudden, you ain't got no shoes on. You're down at the altar bawling your eyes out. They think something's wrong with you. Sometimes, guys, faith makes you look stupid. I call that crazy faith. And in those moments, when it makes you look stupid, the Holy Spirit just pours on you because you were obedient enough to do whatever it was that he asked. So I sit at that altar, and I'm bawling. And he tells me as I'm sitting at the altar, he says, I need you to go grab your Bible, and I need you to go to 1 Timothy, and I want you to read the entire thing. Now, I'm not going to read all of 1 Timothy, but I'm going to tell you what he did to me. Went to 1 Timothy. I'm reading. I'm getting nothing. Came down to about the second or third last paragraph. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 or excuse me, verse 11, but you, Timothy, and when I said Timothy, he said Micah, but you, Micah, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things, pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. What is righteous? What is faith? What is love? What is gentleness? It's God. He said, pursue God. Guys, on my way home, I was half-hearted. I was thinking about all the issues that I was going through. Not one time that day did I say, God, what do you want me to do for you today? I didn't put him first. I was worried about my issues. I was trying to fix my problems. And in that moment, that's when I realized, God, all I got to do is come to you. You'll handle it. And a sense of peace just poured over me. So many times in our lives, guys, we struggle with this. We pursue God, but we pursue him at the wrong time. We pursue him after we fought through it for, for me all day that day, for some of you weeks, months, years. For some of you, years, you've been fighting battles instead of pursuing him and asking him to take care of the battles for you. We got to do better than that, Christian warriors. Amen? 
I'm going to close today with an example of the greatest benefit that comes from pursuing God, guys. And it's not about you. It's not about your personal walk. It's about how others are affected because you pursued God. When you pursue God, guys, his presence around you is obvious to others. It's obvious. It will encourage others. It will lift others up. It will make others want to pursue God even more in their own personal walk because of the example that you've set. And what's really cool is when you pursue God and his presence is on you, when you leave that place, catch this, his presence is so strong, guys, that a piece of him or a piece of his presence stays there for others to feel. I'm going to prove this. This chair, it's an old chair. This was my Mimos. This was my grandmother Harp's chair. Y'all know Marilyn Harrison. She's not here today, is she? Marilyn ain't here. Shame on her. Marilyn walks through our church. We talked about this a while back. We talked about how, obviously, at this church, we love to use the spiritual gifts of others in our church to help the church and protect the church. And she has a gift where she can sense evil presences and so forth. And I know we got some visitors here today, and y'all might think that's crazy, and that's fine. I don't care. That's just what we do. So she's walking through the church the other day. She comes through about once a month. She'll do a walkthrough through the church just to see if there's something there that doesn't seem right. And we'll go in that room, and we'll pray. We'll anoint it with oil. We take all those steps to protect the congregation and the flock. Amen? This chair sits back in my office. I wasn't here that day, but she walked back there, and they were having worship practice. And she came out, and she asked Annabelle. She said, what's up with that chair back here? Of course, Annabelle immediately thought, ooh, it's an evil chair. Because <laughs> Marilyn's asking about the chair, you know. And she said, why, is there something wrong with it? And she said, no, it's, it's the opposite. Presence of God is all over that chair. When I got back from Gilmer on Thursday, something else God told me to do. He said, go by the church. I need you to go by there. After I'd been at First Baptist Church for an hour in Linden praying, he said, I need you to go by Christian Warriors Church, and I need you to go pray in there. Well, I walk in, and Sarah Lloyd's here. And you can't get away from Sarah now. Sarah's going to talk to you, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So me and Sarah are talking, and I look at her, and, and she could tell something was going on. She's like, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, I'm going to go pray in the sanctuary. And she said, can I go with you? I said, heck yeah, girl, come on. Sarah, prayer warrior. It's nice to have somebody like that sitting next to you praying, amen? And we're praying, and as I'm praying right here, he said, go get that chair. And I'm like, that's weird, but I did it. Went back there, got the chair, brought it out here. Sarah looking at me all crazy. She's like, what are you doing with that chair? I said, just hush, hang on. And I put that chair right here, and I got down off the stage, and I looked at her, and I said, go sit in that chair. And she went and sat in the chair. And I said, what do you feel? And she said, an openness to God. I feel his presence. My grandmother would pray in this chair. 
she would pray for my father, for my aunt, for my uncle. She'd pray for me, my sisters, my cousins. The presence of God is in that chair because that's where she prayed. That's where she pursued God. Guys, don't you want to leave that when you're gone? Where everywhere you took a step, people will walk down that same path and say, oh, man, I feel the presence of God. My office is that way at the jewelry store. One of my dear friends, Mason Lafferty, every time he walks in there, he says, man, I love this office. He says, I feel him. Our goal in life, our goal in life, besides our own personal relationship with God, is to help others get there. And if you just pursue him, the presence of him will be all over you and left behind for others to grab a hold of.